Hey guys, Corey here, and if you want to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash chillingtreat to become a patron today. You can get some exclusive content on there that you can't get anywhere else. Now, enjoy the show. And that's when I decided I'm going to murder my mother. But I didn't feel that I had to face what I had done ever. He killed 33 times. I'm the king, man. I decide who's does what and where they do it at. So next time you see me, <laughs> I will kill you. So, I... I'm hit recording. So we are recording now. We are ready and we, going. We are going. Johnny is fucking back, man. How's it feel to be back on the show? Well, uh, yeah, I've been, well, A, busy, B, off the grid. So, yeah, it's been Oh, yeah, off to... the fuck. Yeah, tell everyone what, what off the grid thing you're doing now. Because I've been looking forward to talking about this all week. So I, uh, I, I finally uh, broke down and got me a flip phone, man. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm not gonna lie, like it feels cool as shit every time I pull it out of my pocket. But it's, uh, yeah, like, uh, all, uh, unlimited text and, uh, talk. Like, I don't need to look at my phone all day. Like, if you need to get a hold of me, you can. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it's very cleansing. It feels good. And, uh, I you got the, uh, <laughs> you got the only one that was left in the store. Is that. That's what you said. Yeah, yeah, so it was actually hard to track down. Yeah, the um, I went to one Verizon store right down the street. They're like, yeah, uh, so we don't have that in stock, but there might be a store 20 miles away, and they might have one. So we'll call them, see if they can hold it. I was like, yeah, I'd appreciate if you called them. Yeah, because everyone's rushing to the fucking yeah. store to get yeah, a fucking like, no, flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we were like breaking down the door. So eventually, yeah, I, I, drove, I drove 20 miles further, and uh, I... Uh, I got in there, and at least three employees were like, so I gotta ask, man, like, why, like, why are you, why don't you want a smartphone? And I'm just like, dude, I'm just tired of looking at it all day. It takes up so much fucking time. Like, between work and home, whatever, if you email me, I'll get, I'll get back to you within the hour, but I, uh, I don't, if I'm on the road or if I'm out, I, I don't want to have my phone in my face. And for the longest time, I was like, well, if I didn't need email so much, I would go back to the flip phone. But then this last several weeks, I went without it, and I was like, so yeah, I uh, eventually was like, well, no, I think I'm ready uh, mentally. So I, I did it, and it was like the greatest transition. That is awesome. I, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I like pulling it out in front of people. <laughs> it's uh, pretty cool. So, I mean, working with kids, I thought that I would get made fun of, but they really don't care. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I feel like they're not really judging, like, your phone choice. Well, that or I think they just see me as, uh, even though I'm, like, early, early 30s, they just see me as, like, an old adult. Right. old and boring, so it doesn't surprise them that I would pull a flip phone out of my pocket. Right. Yeah, so, what's what's I'll take? I feel like the only reason, I feel like the only reason that one was left at the other... At the other Verizon store was because the person who was gonna come get it was so fucking old they died, so they didn't come pick it up. Or there's or, or their social security check didn't fucking clear the bank, so they couldn't come get the phone. So, well, it's funny is like I, I'm, I've had an iPhone for like the last ten years. Yeah, so I mean I, we all have. I'm, I'm all about technology. I get it. I mean, I've got two Macs. I've got everything at home and at work. I mean, I'm good. But as far as smartphone, I thought it was just extra. It was taking up a lot of my time. But I, I got the the flip phone home, and I was setting it up, and you know, it was taking 
four seconds. Program each phone number, and you know, because you, you gotta hit like each key three times or four times depending on how the letters are on that no, the button. Yeah, so if we have any so younger okay. listeners out there, you guys have no idea how hard it is to text in class yeah, with a fucking flip phone. Let me educate you, because everybody my age remembers, but they forgot. So like, there's the mode on there that's called TT9, and it so you hit a couple keys, and then it automatically it's like. It's like it's predictive auto, text. It's, it's, it's autofill before autofill was a thing. Yeah. So it is convenient, but you're still having to hit the three like two times. <laughs> you just kind of scroll it around. And then, yeah, there's shortcuts that I'm learning. But I got home and I unboxed it and I was setting it up. And my immediate reaction when I went to the menu is I touched the screen. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to do something. I was like, oh, right, flip phone. Got it. So we're doing baby steps. So it's, it's working out and... I'm not looking at my phone. If anybody wants to call me, they can call me. And if you text me, I'll probably call you right back because I don't feel like texting you. No, man, I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you finally made the transition to flip phone. Oh, everybody, my parents and everybody, like they've been just, they've been turning bananas because I can't get a hold of it. Yeah, I didn't talk so. to you for like three weeks. I was worried. I thought you literally died. No, I've just been working, hanging out, you know, doing my thing. Just I haven't had technology in my pocket, so it's just been fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever works for you, man. I mean, I could never do that. I like having my, I like having the internet at my could. fingertips. No, trust me. I, I miss being able to Google whatever I want to Google. Or see, I'm getting around town the old fashioned, so I'm having to look it up before I go there. You MapQuest is like, wait, we have a fucking user. <laughs> right, but the thing is, is my memory has improved. Like, I know my, I just moved this area two months ago, and I know this area. So well now, just because I'm having to like force myself to read cross streets and. But see, the problem numbers. the problem I have with that is I like I like to figure things out right away. Like I like to be able to Google something. Like the I other think day, that instant gratification is fucking fantastic. Don't get me wrong, I love technology. I I just I just became like everyone else, where I was Facebooking and Instagram for no goddamn reason, and there's nothing to fucking read on there. Well, so see, I don't like, I don't pass, go on social I'm media. Well, that was me, though. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I would get on there just to kill time. And I would scroll, and it was either political or some dumb personal opinion that I didn't care about. And I just got to the point where I was like, why am I spending so much time spending over $100 for one line? Because it's, what, $70 for a line, any fucking carrier. And then you're spending, paying like 50 bucks or more on the phone because it's a $1,000 phone. This flip phone... $143. Jeez, that's it's like my phone good. bill for just my phone. Yeah, so like, you don't even have to pay for the fucking insurance on it. If, if something happens to it, you're only out $143. <laughs> well, you don't got to worry about anybody stealing it, that's for sure. No, they're, yeah. They're, now you need to get a replacement. Let's track one down again. <laughs> you, you, you go to the carrier, you wait two weeks, and then they ship you a... Meredith, they're not flying off the shelves. If someone has it, it's... Not gonna fuck. He could call right now and ask if one, and ask if a place has it. And next year they'll still have it. My dad has had a flip phone since I can remember. He gets like those old fashioned like army flip phones. Like he runs over those things. He drops yeah, yeah. in toilet bowls, like stuff like that. Why does he do and all that? He does well, on purpose. So my dad. My dad's fifty three. And he just recently transitioned over to the iPhone, but he still, he doesn't save phone numbers. He 
There's yeah, a feature in there. It's the coolest shit. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, but I get it. It becomes an, oh, an extra limb, and then once you cut it off, it's just people don't know how to deal with that. Like well, speaking of cutting off that. limbs, we could we, let's get into. We're eight minutes in, and we're talking about cell phones still. Let's get let's get into the topic. I, I, I think flip phones are worth advertising. Let's closing closing statements. Here we go. Uh, flip phones are a go. Okay, I disagree, <laughs> Meredith. All right, here we go. Okay, so welcome to the show, guys. Uh, welcome to the Chilling Truth. I'm Corey. Johnny is back with us finally after three hey, weeks hey. of not being here, and we have Meredith as well, who is a returning hey. guest host. So uh, it's going well, and today we're finally getting Ted Bundy out there. We've been waiting. This episode has been on the back burner, honestly. For I wanted to do it with Johnny. I wanted to finish out Ted Bundy. He started it. I wanted to finish it with him. So. Let's 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 explain why we're redoing it, dude. Don't don't. No, we don't. We don't even really need to talk about why we're redoing it. There's no reason why. Yeah. No, let's get into it. No. Okay. So remember the 9/11 episode? Everyone remembers the 9/11 mishap where the government hacked into my computer and deleted the file so we wouldn't expose the truth about (laughs) 9/11. Ted Bundy's ghost hacked my computer and deleted the files that had the incriminating evidence of him. So it's just, you know, it's cr- more creepy than anything. But we're here now, so let's not talk about the past. But we're being careful. Yeah, I'm double-saving things. <laughs> Copies of them, actually. <laughs> so let's get into victims eight and nine because we left off with them finally realizing that these were being done by one person. So victims eight and nine, it was on July 14th in broad daylight. Two women were abducted from a beach, a crowded beach at the Lake Sammamish State Park in Issaquah. Actually, let me preface all of this. I watched the Ted Bundy movie, the one that just came out on Netflix. How was it? Uh, oh, yeah, the, not uh... great. My personal opinion is if you don't know anything about Ted Bundy, it's a good movie. But if you have done extensive research on Ted Bundy like we have, it's not a great movie. There's a no, lot of the podcast. You shouldn't be watching. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, feel free to watch it, but just know there's many mistakes in the movie. There's a mistake like fucking ten minutes in when he gets pulled over, and they show the inside of his car, and everything is normal. But if we remember when he was pulled over by uh, when he uh, what fuck, I can't remember the officer's name, but remember the seat. His seat was in the back seat. His front passenger seat wasn't in the front seat. It was in the back seat. Remember? And then – but yeah, that's just one thing. There's other things. It's basically a fucking love story. It doesn't get good until the trial at the end of the, at the, end of the movie. That's when it starts getting good. There's not even one dead body in the whole movie. There's no dead – how do you do a – Exactly. How do you do a movie about Ted Bundy? No dead body. No dead body. I wanted to just see him fucking, fucking a dead body. That's what I was expecting to see. I wanted to see Zac Efron naked butt – Banging a dead body. That's what I wanted to see. Well, I think it's going to be a lot like the Zac Efron movie where the documentary on Netflix focused more so on his character. Who cares, man? And then, you know, of course, fucking five seconds in, they start talking about how attractive he is. He, They have, like, this POV shot of him walking into a bar, and all the girls are turning around and looking at him. Like, he fucking fucked dead bodies, man. I mean, just get over the fact yeah, that he's attractive. The way makes him unattractive. If Jennifer Aniston fucked a dead body, I would not find her attractive anymore. I'm just saying. That's just me, my personal opinion. It's just crazy that people can still be like, oh, but he's, you know, 
It's kind of cute, yeah. And he shoved his dick in a dead girl's vagina. So yeah, sorry, as a girl, that's a turnoff. I would hope so. Well, uh, well, you can't speak generally though, because it's a fame thing. There's a lot of women like the one that married. uh, Well, it wasn't even official, but the one that married uh, what's his name, Helter Skelter, Charles Manson. Charles Manson, like was it like three or four years ago? And it was, yeah, it was not obviously, but it's that whole. Uh, attention thing, whether it's negative yeah. or positive, is irrelevant. I think, well, I know, mean, Carol Ann Boone married Ted Bundy in the courthouse. Right. So well, I mean, it's, did, did, did we decide? Was it was it official since he said those words in? Yeah, it is official. It's a it's it a was. yeah it's a thing in Florida. It's yeah. So weird. But I know. That's okay, like that was okay. It's legal. It's very strange. Just some maniac saying some words at a courthouse. Okay. Cool. We gotta fucking document that shit. I will say though, Zach Efron did capture the insanity of Ted Bundy, like the psychopathy. Have you seen it? Yeah, I watched it yesterday. Oh, I think you said the documentary. I'm talking about the Zach Efron movie. Yeah, me too. That's a that's a Netflix movie. Yeah, dude, it's on there right now. Watch it after we get done here. Oh, I thought it was like theaters. No, no it's on no, Netflix. Put it on there. What is it called? Like shockingly evil. St- yeah, it's some. It's yeah, a weird yeah. title. It's a stupid title. It's really long. That's not no, 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 no. It's all on Netflix. Wow. The documentary and the movie itself. But I mean okay. like I said, I would give it like a six out of ten. It's decent, but it doesn't get good until the trial. That's when it gets good. But they did keep the fact that the bite mark did him in and all that. That was I I liked that. Well, I think that was crucial to the, the the entire case. Yeah, so was him fucking dead bodies, but they didn't talk about that at I all. I mean, because up until, up until then, he was able to walk into a court and say, I don't want to tell you my name. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to think about letting you go since you're not telling us who you are. <laughs> also, when he jumped out of the window at, in the in the movie, you know, he escapes from – I'm not going to – it's not a spoiler because you guys already know the story of Ted Bundy. But when he jumps out of the window at the courthouse, remember when he's acting as his own attorney so he had like all the privileges of a regular attorney? When he right. jumps out the window, he just sprints away. But if you remember, actually what happened is when he jumped out, he twisted his ankle and he's like limping. It like couldn't really get away very fast. They didn't show any of him like traveling through the woods, getting fucking lost. They didn't show any of that. I was pissed. The, those, I mean, but I guess as a true crime, as a person who loves true crime, I wanted to see those things. But as a normal person, they probably were like, man, I don't really care that they don't show that stuff. But they show Zac well, Efron's I, butt. I, I can get behind that. I mean, you're working with a budget and a time frame, too. So, I mean, it's just like a book. I mean, it's, they're going to leave a lot of detail out. Yeah, I guess. Whatever. But anyway, so, yeah. July 14th, broad daylight, two women were abducted from a beach uh, at Lake Sammamish State Park in Issaquah. It's a suburb about 20 miles from Seattle. Five women said they saw a handsome young man in a white tennis outfit, his arm in a sling, speaking with a slight accent, maybe Canadian or British, and they said he introduced himself as Ted, and he was looking. He was asking them to help him unload his sailboat from his brown or bronze-colored Volkswagen Beetle. I like how he changed his accent but kept his real name. <laughs> oh, do you guys think you like, can come over here and help me load up this sailboat, eh? I, don't know, like, I, I just got to ask that shit, you know? Like, <laughs> right. eh, whatever. Uh, it's either I'm Canadian tired. or British. It's, it's a little bit of both. Jeez. But uh, as we know, this is Ted Bundy's M.O. He would play a, a hurt person and then... Uh, Bash them over the head. So don't ever help anybody, even if they're dying on the street. They're faking it. Don't help them. Good. Henry Lee 
circus, man. He would dress up like old women on the side of fucking, was it 30 or 45, 35 or whatever the fuck, go to Austin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he'd he just... broke down old woman. Too him, and, uh, him and old Otis Tool, the fucking yeah, gigantic yeah. cross-dressing yeah, gay man. Fuck you. Yeah, for being a nice guy. Yeah, that's what happens, man. Don't ever be nice to people and never help anyone, no matter what. Unless you're going to yeah. pledge money to our Patreon, we will not kill you, I, I promise. I dated, I dated a girl in, in high school that would pick up hitchhikers and take them like two towns over. She was just being nice. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I Do you want to die? Life. Do you want to be well, murdered? I had to actually explain to her what could happen, and she finally stopped, I think, to my knowledge. But yeah, if a dude was just on the side of the road, she'd be like, okay, yeah. No, never. I'm a we grown man, and I never pick up a hitchhiker. going to drive you to the next county, you know, all's well. Fuck that noise. My uncle never picked anybody up unless he had a gun under his seat. Yeah, Even if I had wrong. a gun. I've always thought about it. I've always wanted to help out, you know, the lesser, you know, someone's hitching a ride. But I also it's know, I know what people are capable of and I'm not fucking with it. Exactly. Uh, so one agreed and when she got to his car and realized there was no sailboat, she ran away. Three other witnesses saw him approach Janice and Ott, a 23-year-old. He pitched the same story. She followed him. About four hours later, Denise Marie Nasland, a 19-year-old, left her picnic to go to the restroom but never returned. And Bundy later told that Ott was alive when he returned with Nasland and forced one to watch as he murdered the other. It's kind of like that Ed Kemper thing but the opposite where like he didn't want to see them kill. He didn't want them to see him kill the other person, you know? And he's like, oh, well, be nice. I don't know. Like that audience just kind of falls into like erotica. I think. What do you mean? I mean attention. Yeah. What? Because I mean, he didn't get it. I mean, he, well, growing up, I mean, he was part of the crowd, but he wasn't part of the crowd. Yeah. So maybe being the center of attention was kind of his way of being like, yeah, He just did it really like theatrical. Yeah, and yeah. now for my next like, trick, I'm going to chop her <laughs> fucking head off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the King County Police were finally able to have a detailed description of the suspect and his car. A composite sketch was done of Bundy and printed into regional newspapers and broadcast on the local news. Elizabeth Klopfer, who is uh, a very main character in the movie as well, who was a uh, her, a DES employee, and a UW psychologist professor, recognized the profile sketch and reported Bundy as the possible suspect. Detectives, though, thought it was unlikely that a clean-cut law student with no adult criminal record would be doing this. And it's like, just, there's no, there was no profile for this kind of stuff back then. Just like there's no profile for like a school shooter anymore. You know what I mean? So now on September 6, 200 stumbled upon skeletal remains of Ott and Naslin near a service road in Issaquah, two miles east of the lake. An extra femur and several vertebrae were later identified by Bundy to belong to Georgia Ann Hawkins. And then six months later, forestry students from Green River Community College discovered the skulls and mandibles of Healy, Rancourt, Parks, and Ball on Taylor Mountain. Bundy hiked this mountain a lot, and it became a frequent dumping ground, uh, as we can see. But unfortunately, Manson's remains were never recovered. And this Taylor Mountain, Bundy pretty much dumped majority of his victims here. Like, this was, like, his go-to spot. Well, yeah, it's called a pattern. It was his Gacy's basement. I will say, he he was pretty good at spreading it all over the Northwest. Oh, yeah, just like his crimes. That's why it took so long for them to catch him. What was that one? Was it it episode one we talked about how he traveled, what, eight hours or some shit? Yeah, just to go back and see. It was, like, six hours just to go back to see the body. Yeah. It's just fucking crazy violence. Yeah, it's insane that someone could possibly be that willing to go back just to fuck a dead body. Very weird. Hey man, 
If it's good, it's good. Am I right? Disgusting. Yeah. No, you are a disgusting oh, okay. person. Sorry, sorry Meredith. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's gross. Hey, that's, that's why you're here. Keep us in check. Keep us in check. Sure. No, we talk about not how it fucking works. No. Uh, we talk yeah, about necrophilia. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. So now we're down to Idaho, Utah, and Colorado. In 1974, Bundy received a second acceptance from the University of Utah Law School and moved to Salt Lake City. When he studied here, he realized the other students were smarter than him. He found the classes to be hard and said, "Quote: It was a great disappointment to me." And uh, there's not really a reason why I put this in here except to say that Ted Bundy was fucking dumb and uh, literally wanted to study the subject his entire life and couldn't hack it. So what a fucking idiot. Well, my my argument would be that he was so intelligent that he convinced himself that he was smarter than everybody else. It's kind of like the the JP. It's Hoffman County. Like he just thought – Well, Ted Bundy definitely thought he was smarter than everybody. That was part of his thing. That's why he represented himself. He just – he had that way of like, oh, I could just out-talk you. And then the judge was like, no, 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 no. You realize that the words you're using are fucking stupid. Yeah, no. He definitely – and Zac Efron captures that really well in the movie as well about him being smarter. Because, yeah, like a trial – well, where he fucking represents himself. Well, he wouldn't even represent himself when he first had his attorneys. And he fired him. That really, it made his case super strong and it really helped him. And then he'd be like, all right, y'all sit down. And yeah, and then he'd just go back. He'd backpedal, and yeah. He'd just backtrack and just backpedal all of that shit that they just presented. It's fucking insane. Something else that's cool about the movie is at the end of it, they show the scene. Because like if you watch, you watch the whole movie, obviously, when you watch the credits, they show the scenes that were in the movie, but... That were filmed, you know, in real time with actually Ted Bundy. Zac Efron nails him like perfectly. It's it's the, the, the acting is good. The story could have been better. See it. Yeah. Well, Zac Efron. I mean, he's 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 a phenomenon. He is a good actor. That's for sure. Yeah. Good looking, great actor. So I definitely. I de- what? You don't like Zac, Zac Efron? He's a handsome dude, bro. All right, we're gonna have to. You know what? After we stop recording, so. we're gonna talk uh, about this off air. Everybody has their own type, but Zach Efron is a sexy motherfucker. As long as your type is not <laughs> dead. If, 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 I, if I look like that, I would never wear a shirt. Oh, dude, me either. Yeah, I wouldn't even own a shirt. Ever. I wouldn't even have any I, shirts well, in my closet. I, I, would, I would wear shirts to work, but as soon as I got my car the other day, it's coming off. Yeah, like, definitely. Just, and I wish a lady cop would pull me over. I fucking wish she would. I can just Dude, flex I'm, my I'm, chest at her. Yeah, I'm flexing every fucking, like, everything I got. I'll play the fucking xylophone on my abs, yeah. just run my hands up and down them. And I'm going to give the, the Zac Efron wink. I wouldn't even own a washing machine. I'd wash my clothes on my stomach. There's got to be. If he winked at me, I'd be like, holy shit, that was smooth. Yeah, exactly. I'd no, fuck totally Zac Efron. Can. That's my official statement. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I mean... I think that is actually the definition of gay. No, 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 no. Look. Okay. No, that's not the definition of gay. No, the definition, well, of, the gay definition of gay is... It's the same sex. Yes. Is wanting to be with that person. That's right. The same Romantically. Okay. Romantically. Okay. We, okay. We, 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 uh, yeah. Well, same sex. We can go back and forth all day. I'd still fuck Zach. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's a good-looking guy. That's <laughs> okay. why I disagree with Meredith. Let's move on. Can we move on? Are we, we good now? This, this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, we'll talk about it later. So, victim 10... Uh, God, it's so bad to talk about sex during this episode because literally the next sentence is about him raping and strangling a still unidentified hitchhiker in Idaho, and that happened I on like September second. Has such a hard time saying the word rape. He's such a good dude that rape really just gives him. The are you kiss. are you in favor of rape? No, I'm not. I just 
adore that you care so much. Thank I you. That. I appreciate it. No, See, I could no, never no, be a serial a, killer. No, I have too much no, empathy. That's, that's a great quality. Thank you. It's nice to have you back, man. No, hey, good to hear from you, dude. Thanks, man. You've been doing yeah. okay? Yeah, I'm doing all right. All right, cool, cool, right. cool, cool. So, yeah, the other day I was... Uh, <laughs> okay, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> we'll be here for fucking another 30 minutes talking. So, on October 2nd, he grabbed 16-year-old Nancy Wilcox in Holiday, which is a suburb of Salt Lake City, and dragged her into a wooded area, intending to... Okay, this is how fucked he is. Intending to de-escalate his urges. I, he was just going to rape her. No big deal. I was just going to rape her and let her go. Just, I'm dialing it back, guys. Dialing it back. Just going to rape her and then move on. But then he, quote, accidentally strangled her by trying to silence her screams. And don't you fucking hate when that happens? When yeah, someone's yelling like, and you just fucking grab their throat instinctually, you know? Well, I mean, for obvious wait. reasons. Go yeah. ahead, Meredith. No, I was just saying, you, like, wait until they stop breathing, like, through all the... the, the yeah. Well, you gotta wait till they're quiet. I, you know, I... It's always amazed me that I understand that someone doesn't, like, possess that self-control. But to have an agenda where you're like, okay, I'm just gonna rob this person, or I'm just... It just turns into murder or rape really fucking quick. Yeah, exactly. It's just insane how like you have you know what you're gonna do, but then it just you get carried away. If you're gonna it's murder someone, don't bullshit me about it. So <laughs> interesting, right? Like it's murder number eleven. You're not gonna convince me it was an accident. Yeah, but no, yeah, but why couldn't you stick to what you planned? Like you <laughs> follow you your want to be in control so much. You make a list of things you want to do. Fucking stick to it. Bundy, what he needed to do is he needed to plan his work and work his plan. That's what he needed to do. Right. But instead... No, uh... Is someone eating something? Oh, that was the bugler, bro. Sorry. Yeah, it's... (laughs) I did hear it for a while now. I was like, what is that noise? It's all good. Uh, But no, he needed to... He needed to plan his work and work his plan. And that... He didn't do that. He... Just, just like, I'll just wing it. That's what he did, and that's how he ended up killing this girl. But also, you know, some part of him wanted to fucking kill her. Oh, yeah. Some part of him saw her and was just like, man, I can't wait to just fucking choke the life out of her. Well, by this point, it's subconscious or a pattern. Either way, yeah, he's out of control. It's, it's, he's out of control. It's not off the table. Right. So he accidentally strangled her when trying to silence her screams. Her remains were buried near Capitol Reef National Park, 200 miles away from Holiday, but unfortunately were never recovered. Now, victim. Wait, what's Capitol Reef exactly? Uh, 200 miles away from Holiday is all I can tell. No, you. I got that, dude. Yeah, it says it right there. Two. You see it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would Google it, but I have a flip phone. So. <laughs> you can't. You'll never know. So <laughs> you go to the library and use the computer. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway. So, victim 12, on October 18th, Melissa Ann Smith, the 17-year-old daughter of a police chief in Midvale, disappeared after leaving a pizza place. Her nude body was found in nearby mountain area nine days later. Postmortem examination indicated she was alive for up to seven days after her disappearance. And this is the first time we see something like this where he is keeping her alive for an extended period of time. And I wish I knew why he did that. I don't know. Because the rest of me just killed him pretty much right away. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you're saying that, and I'm thinking, okay, this guy wants to drive hours and hours away to a to a site, but he doesn't have the common decency to take 15 minutes to redress the girl. Yeah, right. That's fucked right. up. Well, these are just things to him. They're not people to him. He's just like, ah, yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't I clean guess, my garbage before I throw it away. I guess I got to be crazy to understand crazy. Yeah, thank, thank, be thankful you don't understand why he yeah, didn't I'm, do I'm that. Okay. I'm okay with that we're on different Count places. yourself lucky. So victim yeah. 13, on October 31st, Laura and Amy, or I'm, I don't know, I still don't know what it is. I think it's Amy. It looks like Amy. I think it's Aim. Okay. A-I-M-E. Aim. It might be a funny way of spelling Amy. People get creative. We'll just say Laura Ann. We'll leave it at that. So she was also 17. She disappeared 25 miles south of Leahy after leaving a cafe, and her naked body was found by hikers nine miles northeast in American Fork Canyon on Thanksgiving Day. Both women were beaten, raped, sodomized, and strangled with nylon stockings, and then Bunder con- confessed later that his post-mortem rituals for the corpses of Smith and Amy included hair shampooing and applying makeup, which yeah, it fucking gives me... weird. It creeps me out. Big time. It, it really counteracts the whole dressing thing. Yeah, I'd rather them put their clothes back on than do this. Very strange. So now we see, now we see Bundy getting a bit sloppy. So in the late afternoon of November eighth, Bundy approached eighteen-year-old and fucking finally somebody who's of age. He approached Carol DeRanch at Fashion Place Mall in Murray, less than a mile from where Melissa Smith was last seen. Bundy told her he was Officer Roseland with the Murray Police, and someone had tried to break into her car. How would you know it was her car? I guess if you ran the place, but how would you know she was her, you know? I don't think that's relevant. It's the fact that you can impersonate an officer, say whatever the fuck you want to say, and someone's going to be like, okay, they're going to comply 100%. I like to think I wouldn't. I'd be like, how do you yeah, know it was my he was car? Take, he, was taking, he was taking advantage. I mean, it's... Well, this was before, I mean, now things are different. Say. Yeah. So he told her she needed to come down the station to make a complaint, and when she pointed out there were no, they were not on the road that went to the station, he pulled over and tried to handcuff her, and in the struggle, the dummy put both handcuffs on the same wrist, and she was able to fucking get out of the car and take off her. <laughs> Fuck that, Evan. Yeah, Jesus. fucking idiot. She totally redeemed it. Yeah, right. Maybe she was a magician. Who knows? Uh, you know, hey, maybe you should you know do some research on your... <laughs> Yeah, you know, on your he should have been practicing his handcuff moves in if the this mirror. If a magician, maybe I should leave her well the fuck alone. Yeah, because she's gonna fucking end up in the trunk, and that's not where I want her. I want her in the back seat. No, because she's gonna escape the trunk. Exactly, she'll escape, and I'll never see her again. So I guess later, on, and later on the same evening, after he had this uh, bungle of a kidnapping. He abducted 17-year-old high school student Deborah Jean Kent, and she was leaving a theater play at school. The drummer teacher and a student told police that a, quote, stranger had asked each of them to come out to the parking lot to identify a vehicle. Another student saw the same individual pacing around the back of the auditorium. Outside the auditorium, police found the key that unlocked Durant's handcuffs. So now we know it's the same fucking guy. It's so crazy. Like, if someone can, I mean... If a John Coffee-sized dude, for people that don't know John Coffee, is Green Mile. Uh, I don't remember his real name. Rest yeah. In peace. Uh, if a uh, guy that that size came up to me and said, "Hey, I need you to come identify a vehicle," I'm still gonna walk out. You know, yeah. I'm gonna walk out and check. Uh, okay, what are, what are we talking about? You know. Well, what, Ted Bundy's not that big. He's not even big. Well, You're no, thinking of Ed Kemper. I'm just saying, for example. It, 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 I, I just don't want it to be like, oh, these women were naive or stupid. It's like, no, I think anybody would fall for that bullshit line. Yeah, especially before the days of their, everyone thinking everyone's going to murder you like it is now, you know? I mean, these were, well, it wasn't a thing. These were innocent days. It wasn't a term, was it? Right. I mean, I mean, it was barely becoming a known thing at this point. That's why I got rid of it. That's why I got, along, uh, got 
I guess, away with it for so long because these counties and these precincts weren't really communicating. The yeah, they didn't know what was going on. It took them yeah. forever to realize it was one guy. They were like, "There's no way one guy's doing all this." Right. So, uh, November. In November, Elizabeth Clawford contacted police again about Ted after hearing about the women disappearing in Utah. Detective Randy Hirschminer interviewed her in detail, and by this time, Ted was rising to the top of the police hierarchy of suspects, but unfortunately, one of the witnesses from the lake could not identify Bundy in a lineup. So victim 15, on January 12th, a 23-year-old named Karen Eileen Campbell disappeared while walking down a well-lit hallway to the Willwood Inn, now called the Wildwood Lodge, in Snowmass Village. That's 400 miles from Salt Lake City. So like we said, he's going all over the place with these kidnappings and murders, and I don't know if it's for him to elude the police or if he just is just doing it for whatever reason. But her nude body was found a month later next to a dirt road outside the resort. She had been beaten to death, and the instrument used actually left distinctive linear grooves on her skull, and her body also had deep cuts from something sharp. So he's not holding back. He's beating the fuck out of these women. Well, we saw that in Tallahassee. Right. We Yes. Oh, yes. We will get to that. Yeah, no, he... Brutal as fuck. He's a, he's, a, he's a monster. He's a pile of shit monster is what he is. So March 15th, 100 miles northeast of Snowmass, Vail ski instructor Julie Cunningham disappeared while walking from her apartment to a dinner date. Bunny confessed that he approached Cunningham on crutches and asked her to help him carry his ski boots to his car. And that was when he struck her, handcuffed her, and then assaulted and strangled her at a second location near Rifle, which is 90 miles west of Vail. And a few weeks later, he made the six-hour drive from Salt Lake City to revisit. I mean, he's making fucking ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he clearly loves driving. He drove six hours back just to revisit the remains. And as we know, Ted Bundy would go back. He'd put the makeup on him. He'd clean the hair. He'd fuck the bodies until they were so bad with decomposition that he couldn't do it anymore. But... It's right, just, but he never owned a home, did he? I mean, he just kind of... He, he had an apartment with... He had an apartment yeah, with Elizabeth Clockford. So, which means that he could just kind of travel around, and he didn't have really... He, he didn't have much of an anchor. Right, he was so a he nomad. he just kind of get in his bug and just drive around the country and just do some sightseeing. <laughs> if that's what you call it, going to revisit the body, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to go yeah, see the sights. That's the nicest way I can <laughs> You're going to go take a look at the scenery. Oh, look at that body. Let me shove my yeah. dick in there. So victim, <laughs> my way was way nicer than yours. I'm so sorry, Meredith. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's more dedicated to these women than most people are in relationships. Right, so. six hours, man. Who's gonna drive six hours to go see somebody? <laughs> hey, I, hey I'm, I'm gonna ask my neighbor for a beer. So just ignore this. <laughs> Wait, are you actually, or is that a joke? No, I'm sort of guy. What do I have to do, Corey? I, just, I don't know. I guess never. Can I have a beer? Yeah, I don't know. Did you set this damn thing up to you? <laughs> Did you get it set up? No, I got better to get it. Now I'm going to hook up my Bluetooth speaker to the phone. It's like, you fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Welcome to the Welcome show, Johnny's Neighbors. Yeah, yeah. This is how shit goes. I got cooking. This is the behind right. the scenes that you don't ever get to hear on Spotify. <laughs> I know, I'm like, we don't get, as a, a listener, we don't get to hear any of this, and it's kind of sad. We'll become a Patreon, per, a Patreon, hey, 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 a patron. In my defense, I, I've tried to tell Corey that we shouldn't edit out as much because I think people like that, you know. We yeah, we definitely. But that's do. why we need. That's why we, that's how we get patrons. We put it up there unedited, and if people pledge a dollar, they can get the unedited version. They need. There has to be rewards. 
Okay. And it's hard enough for me to think of the rewards we have on there now. No one wants a fucking postcard from us, obviously. She's like, I'm going to the fucking belly of the beast. Put me on the show. I appreciate that. That's how you get shit done. Like, I didn't get this far by asking, you know, permission for everything. I didn't get this far by being nice. I want to do this. How does this work? She she doesn't even want to be a host. She just wants to hear behind the scenes without paying a fucking dollar a month. Well, I have to admit, for like the last maybe five minutes, I was just listening to you guys talk because I like got really quiet. But I was like, oh wait, I'm on the show. I actually have to say. Yeah, I was just thinking. I was like, she's being awfully quiet. Did you think you were listening to an episode? No, no. Hey, yeah, chime in whatever you want. But yeah, I I I get why you're kind of checking it out, feeling it out, feeling the room, whatever. Oh, yeah. It's it's pretty hard to get a word in edgewise with us. Really awkward. All right, Gilbert, I can't figure this out. It's already synced up to Lisa's phone, so just go ahead and sync it up to hers. I'm gonna take a beer and I'm gonna go to the front and finish this this phone call. Uh, yeah, it should be. We were at the pool and it was hooked up. Good luck. I'll be right back. All right, I got me a beer. Now we're going. Are right, we good? Yeah, we're good. All right, so victim seventeen. Any of this should be edited out. <laughs> All right, so victim seventeen. Denise Lynn Oliverson. Oliverson. She was twenty-five. Disappeared near the Utah-Colorado border in Grand Junction on April sixth, while riding her bike to her parents' house. Her bike and her sandals were found under a viaduct near a railroad bridge. And these, there's not a lot of info on these next, on these next couple ones. Uh, so I'm kind of just going to breeze through them kind of quickly. So, victim 18, May 6th, Bundy abducted 12-year-old Lynette Don Culver from Almeda Junior High School in Pocatello, Idaho. That's 165 miles north of Salt Lake City. So, victim 18, May 6th, Bundy abducted 12-year-old Lynette Don Culver from Almeda Junior High School in Pocatello, Idaho. That's 165 miles north of Salt Lake City. He drowned her and then sexually assaulted her in his hotel room before disposing of her body in a river north of Pocatello. Now, Ted Bundy's not a pedophile. I would never consider him a pedophile, but you picked her up at a junior high school. I don't know, man. He picked up a lot of minors, so I would definitely class that. I think he was just thing. picking up. I think he's just picking up college-looking girls. I think but this girl's twelve. Younger than eighteen. If you have to register for it, hey, buddy, welcome to the club. You're a fucking burrito. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. I don't think he picked her up because she was twelve. I think it was because the way she looked. I don't think he was looking for But he picked her up at a together. junior high school, so it's, you know. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. It kind of yeah, cancels out at that point. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, no, he's a piece of shit. So, victim 19. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I think everything in this episode could be could just chimed in, just come up to, just, he's a piece of shit. So, that's why he did what he did. So, victim 19, on June 28th, Susan Curtis vanished from her, the campus of Brigham Young University in Provo, 45 miles south of Salt Lake City. Curtis's murder was Bundy's last confession tape recorded moments before he entered the execution chamber. The bodies of Wilcox, Kent, Cunningham, Oliverson, and Curtis were never recovered. So in August or September of 1975, Ted was baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Maybe he was trying to turn his life around. I don't know. Which which, which is Mormon if you don't know. Yeah, but he but was... That's, that's what Brigham Young is. It's it's a Mormon university. Okay, no, I did not know that. But no, yeah, he was... No, it's Salt Lake City. Yeah, it's like fucking Mormon as fuck. Yeah, like that's all Salt Lake City is. Well, yeah. he was excommunicated from the church following the 1979 kidnapping conviction, so we don't have to worry about that. 
Rightfully so. So in Washington state, investigators were still having trouble analyzing all the data they had from the Pacific Northwest murder spree. Given they did not have the technology we have now, they decided to try and compile their data anyway. They used a King County payroll computer, which is this huge primitive fucking thing, but it was all that they, you know, that was all they had at the time. After entering all the data... If you don't know, King County is Seattle area. Yes. That, so this is where the murders place. initially yeah, yeah. began. So after entering all the data they had, classmates of victims, owners of VW Bug named Ted, known sex offenders and such, 26 names turned up on four lists, and one of those names was Theodore Bundy. They even compiled manually a list of their 100 top suspects, and Ted was on that list as well. He was, quote, literally at the top of the pile of suspects when word came from Utah of his arrest. Now, let's get into his arrest. So June 16, 1975, and this is something they got wrong in the movie as well. They said he ran stop signs, and he did not do that. So August 16, 1975, Bundy was arrested by Utah Highway Patrol Officer Bob Hayward in Granger, a Salt Lake City suburb. Hayward spotted Bundy cruising in the neighborhood in the early hours, and when he sped off after seeing the patrol car, this made Officer Bob very suspicious. When he pulled Bundy over, he noticed the front passenger seat in the VW was removed and placed on the rear seats. Something else that wasn't in the movie. Which can be common if you're looking, like, okay, with the times, it's probably a newer vehicle. But nowadays in 2019, I, I can understand that because when you're looking at, like, a vintage Volkswagen or an Audi, like, just an old, like, hot rod, yeah, the seats are either not going to be in the right place or they're not going to be there at all. That's not that weird. Right, but if you have that and a bag with a ski mask, a second ski mask made from pantyhose, handcuffs, trash bags, a crowbar, a coil of rope, and an ice pick, it gets a little bit sketchy and hard to explain at that point. Valid. Initially, he assumed they were burglary tools, though, and Bundy told him the ski mask was for, guess what he told it was for? Skiing. He found the handcuffs in a dumpster, and the rest were just common household items. We're talking about the pantyhose. He said no, 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 no. The regular ski mask was for skiing. The other one was for the other one was for sexy time. The other one was sexy time. (laughs) (laughs) Put fucking one pantyhose on. He's like, ooh. He's like uh, Buffalo Bill. He just looked at himself in the mirror. Uh, Got it. The rest of them were just common household items that a normal person would carry around in their vehicle. Like a pantyhose ski mask. Like a pantyhose ski mask. Sexy time. You never know when it's going to come up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's in my, like, first aid kit. It's in my go-bag. Always have one on me. It's it's right next to my traffic cones in my trunk. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I always keep it there. With my jack and my other My two traffic cones. And, yeah, it keeps it from... Because one time I forgot my handcuffs and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put them in a bag, put them in the car. I'll always have them. I'll never forget them. So yeah, it's better, better to be prepared than unprepared. You know what I mean? I don't think. No. Okay. <laughs> you never know. You never know when you're going to have to strangle somebody. So just you always always be prepared. You don't want to be in, left empty-handed. Hey. So. Yeah, yeah, the nice guy always says some shit like that that throws away overboard. Because you need an ice pick when you're just... Meredith, how else am I going to stab these people? I mean, maybe he's got a. I don't know. I have no idea. Household item. Household item. Yeah, so, uh. Jerry Thompson, a detective, remembered a similar vehicle description from the November 1974 Durant kidnapping, which matched the description from Klopfer's phone call. 
In a search of Bundy's apartment, they found a guide to Colorado ski resorts with a checkmark by the Wildwood End, a brochure that advertised the Viewmont High School play in Bountiful where Deborah Kent had disappeared. Unfortunately, police did not find any sufficient evidence. What is happening? Why is my... I think it's because my headphones are about to die. My... Uh, no, dude, I was busy packing my fucking go bag with my pantyhose ski mask. I didn't have time. I was sitting poolside and I'm still prepared. Yeah, and you don't use headphones either. I was staring. No, I've got headphones. Do y'all want to do the show by yourself? Do y'all want to do the show by yourself? Hold on, back up. Were you nervous? No, I'm sick. Okay. Dang, you're sick and you still can't do the show, man. That's a that's dedication there. Have you taken any medicine? Yeah. All right. Well, we just want you better. You know, but, you're playing it off well. Yeah. Okay. Well, my headphones are slowly dying as we're having this conversation, so okay. we could do. Let's get through this oh, episode. Yeah, let's get back to you not charging your AirPods. They're not AirPods. They're Beats. They're studio headphones. All right. Don't gang up on me here when you don't even know the whole story. Plugged into my fucking flip phone right now. Okay. Mine still have to be on. Mine are newer. Mine are more advanced than your flip phone Beats. Right now, I'm still making life happen. That's Whatever, man. You know what? Let's just move on to this, Please. and then we could go a week in between talking to each other, to each other like we did before. We did five and a half weeks. No, well, when usually we go like a week. We don't we don't talk as much yeah, as the I listeners think, probably think that we do. Like, like I've been off the grid for a while, and I missed you, and I'm glad anyway, you're back. I miss you too, dude. This is just this is just a spat. We're not really arguing. No, we're arguing, man. I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so furious right now. Unfortunately, police did not find any sufficient evidence to detain Bundy, so he was then released. And then he did later confess that he had a collection of Polaroids of his victims, which he promptly had to destroy when he was released, which I'm sure was very hard for him to do. Yeah, we heard about that, like, last time it was like... Yeah, it's like his trophies. Trophies, and they're gone. You just, you know it's so hard for him to fucking burn those or get rid of them however he did. Hopefully burned. Um... Naturally, yeah, Bundy was placed... No, I get what Mero's saying. It's hard to get rid of stuff like that if it means so much to you, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, this it's is... Like throwing, it's, it's like burning a diary. It's, it's, it's a lot of hard work, too. Cards from dead yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, that would be something hard to get rid of. So I can... Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, plus he put a lot of work into those, you know? His version of work. Uh, so naturally, Bundy was placed on 24-hour surveillance by the Salt Lake City Police Department. Thompson flew to Seattle to meet with Klopfer. She told them that during the time before Bundy's move to Utah, she found objects in her home and Ted's apartment that she couldn't understand. Items like crutches, a bag of plaster of Paris that Bundy admitted she to stealing. Couldn't from... understand crutches. Well, he wasn't crippled. Is, can you still say I, crippled? I, I keep a sling on hand just in case I stretch a fucking elbow or shoulder like anything well he had other things he had a bag of plaster of paris that he admitted stealing from medical supply house a meat cleaver that was never used for cooking she also found a bag of women's clothing surgical gloves and an oriental knife kept in a wooden case in his glove box those are weird those are it's not weird to have one of those but all of them like the 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 hose and like different women products like that is strange but especially but, yeah, if you got a meat cleaver or, you know, whatever the fuck, okay, those are, like, everyday household objects, you know. But I mean, I, but it's like having all of them at once is strange. Like, if I go to the store and buy rope, it's fine. But if I go to the store and buy have, rope... You shouldn't have any of those items in your car. I totally get right, it. Right, but if I go to the store and buy rope, it's perfically normal. Yeah. But if I go to the store and buy rope and duct tape, no, then it looks suspicious. It's like a knife and all that stuff. No, yeah, it's a very strange go bag. Yeah, sure. the combination of items is strange. 
so in September, Bundy sold his Beetle to a Midvale teenager, and the, the police almost instantly impounded it. And the FBI took, technicians took it apart to examine it. Inside, they found fibers of hair that were, quote, microscopically indistinguishable from Melissa Smith and Carol DeRanche. On October 2nd, detectives put Bundy into a lineup, and DeRanche immediately identified him as Officer Roseland. Bundy was charged with aggravated kidnapping and attempted criminal assault in the Durant case. His parents paid his $15,000 bail, and he spent the time between his indictment and trial in Seattle at Klopfer's house. Seattle police didn't have enough evidence to charge Bundy with the Pacific Northwest murders, but they did surveil him for a while, and Klopfer said, quote, When Ted and I stepped out on the porch to go somewhere, so many unmarked police cars started up, it sounded like the beginning of the Indy 500. So they're on this dude like white on rice. <clears throat> So February 23, 1976, Bundy stood trial for the Durant kidnapping. He did waive his right to a jury, and due to the negativity, nah, he did. Hang on. Yeah, words are hard. Man. Yeah, they are. They are very hard. He did waive his right to a jury due to the negative publicity surrounding his case. On March 1st, after a week of deliberation, Judge Stuart Hansen Jr. found him guilty of kidnapping and assault. On June 30th, he was sentenced to serve a minimum of one to a maximum of 15 years in the Utah State Prison. In October, he was found hiding in a bush in the prison yard with an escape kit. It had roadmaps, airline schedules, a social security card. For this, he spent several weeks in solitary. Later that same month, he was charged with the Karen Campbell murder. He then waived his extradition proceedings and was transferred to Aspen in January 1977. Now, usually this is where the episode ends. Killer's caught, sentenced to prison, and everyone goes on. But that's not the case with Ted Bundy. Bundy went on to escape from a Pitkin County courthouse in Aspen. While acting as his own attorney, he was excluded from having to wear shackles and handcuffs. During a brief recess, he asked to go visit the law library, which is such a stupid thing. Like, I'm going to be my own attorney, so now I'm a good guy. <laughs> Makes no sense. So during a brief recess, he asked to go visit the law library. While concealed by a bookshelf, Ted opened a window and jumped out from the second-story floor. He then walked through Aspen as roadblocks were being set up on his outs on its outskirts. He hiked southward onto Aspen Mountain. He broke into a hunting cabin, stole food, clothing, and a rifle. The next day, he left the cabin and headed south toward Crested, Crested Butte. He ended up getting lost in the woods and wandered aimlessly for two days. He wanted to head south, but instead headed north back to Aspen. When he was there, he was sleep-deprived and in constant pain from the sprained ankle he got when he jumped out the fucking window. He stole a car from the edge of Aspen of an Aspen golf course. He then drove back to Aspen. When two police officers noticed his car weaving in and out of a lane, he was pulled over and <laughs> fucking arrested and sent back to prison. And he was on the run for a total of six fucking days. What a fucking moron! <laughs> Buy a compass! <laughs> In his defense, it's not even about him being a moron. It's like, the, how the fuck does someone like that get away with something? So I don't know. I really don't it's understand. Like, how the hell? It's insane how he managed to get away. Okay, my son's crying downstairs, but I don't think my mic's picking it up. Hey, you tell him to shut the fuck up. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> no, is that, is that not appropriate? That's a little far. That's a little much. <laughs> Die of the backside. Okay. Oh, oh, I don't have any. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Back in prison, Bundy was told by his friends and legal team to stay put and not to try to escape again. Evidence was being deemed inadmissible, and he may have gotten off without the murder charge. Bundy ignored them and started plotting his next escape. He acquired a hacksaw from other inmates, saved up $500 in cash that he had smuggled in by his visitors, Carol Ann Boone in particular. 
During the evenings when other prisoners were showering, he saw a hole. He would saw a hole about one foot square between the steel reinforcing bars in his cell's ceiling. He You're also a lost. Guy. Well, no, he lost yeah, thirty-five just... pounds, and that way he was able to wiggle through it and crawl into the space above. During the next few weeks, he did a series of dry runs to test it out. An informant claimed to hear movement in the ceiling at night, but this was never investigated. Hey, for the record, I would like to uh, acknowledge his ambition and tenacity. He's he's a very tenacious guy. Well, no, he he saw an opportunity to cut a hole in the ceiling, okay? But he was like, you know what? I'm not going to cut it to my size. I'm going to cut it to the size that I want to be. (laughs) That's one way to lose weight. really just push for it. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna make it work. Like it's, it's like summer vibes for anyone else. Like, all right, I've got this bikini or this swimsuit suit. I need to do the work to fit into that. You guys yeah. need to take notes from Ted Bundy I from totally, this aspect. Yeah, no, I appreciate his his dedication. To be like, you know what? This is where I want to be, mm-hmm. and I get that. Now, kudos. So December 30th, he was limited, limited kudos, but kudos. <laughs> very limited. Yes. Yeah. On December 30th, with most of the jail staff on break and nonviolent prisoners on furlough with their families, Ted decided to make his move. He piled up books on his bed to look like a body. He crawled into the crawl space. He dropped in from the ceiling of the chief jailer's office, who was out that night with his wife. He changed into street clothes from the office and walked out the front fucking door to freedom. Why, why is there not another jailer in there when the jailer's out with his wife? I have no why fucking idea. Why is it not idea. a 24-hour patrolled office? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. So he stole a car and drove eastward out of Glenwood Springs. The car broke down in the mountains on Interstate 70. A passing car gave Ted Bundy a ride into Vail, 60 miles to the east. From there, he caught a bus to Denver, where he boarded a morning flight to Chicago. By this time, the jail's crew found that he was missing at about noon on December 31st. Bundy, however, was already in Chicago by that time. From there... He stole a car and drove to Atlanta. He then boarded a bus and arrived in Tallahassee, Florida on the morning of January 8th. He rented a room under the alias Chris Hagen at a boarding house near FSU. Bundy later said he was planning on finding legitimate employment and refrained from any further crimes, but he did not stick to this plan. He, the tenacity disappeared here. So he applied at a construction site but was turned down because he refused to provide identification. He then reverted back to his old habits of shoplifting and stealing credit cards from women's wallets left in shopping carts. So he literally almost yeah, but that judge almost let him go because he didn't know who he was. But he no 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 this is this is a but he applied for one job and was like well can't get the job so guess I'll go back to stealing. Okay, this is this is before. Okay, so it's about to get real bad. Are you guys okay. ready? Everybody buckled in because it's about to get no fucked one's here. Ready. This is fucking ridiculous. So in the so in the early hours. So in the early hours of January 15, 1978, a week after he arrived in Florida, Bundy entered FSU's Chi Omega sorority house through a rear door that had a faulty mechanism. Beginning around 2.45 a.m., he bludgeoned Margaret Margaret Bowman, who was 21, with a piece of oak firewood as she slept, then strangled her with a nylon stocking, and then he went on to Lisa Levy's room. She was 20 years old. Hey, 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 I think you need to spend more time on the firewood. There was a pile of firewood outside. He picked up a couple fucking logs, like blunt fucking logs. Yeah, he did not show up with his weapon of choice. He just saw the wood and was like, that'll do. It was was a pile of wood, and he grabbed at least one or two fucking pieces of, like, round, blunt, badass, pecan-sized branches. Like, even if you dropped this on your foot, it would still hurt. He beat these women in the head with it. Just the most blunt object you could fucking think of. Exactly. I mean, kids are hard, but they're not that hard. 
Well, well you hit a head enough, it'll like break. Oak or pecan, that's kind of solid. Yeah, it would be some wood if you came out split like a watermelon. Yeah. yeah, and it's not gonna kill you right away. You're gonna fucking <laughs> suffer. It's gonna hurt. So yeah. he went on to Lisa Levy's room. She was 20 years old. He beat her unconscious, strangled her, tore off one of her nipples, and bit deeply into her left butt cheek. He sexually assaulted her with a hair mist bottle. Next was Kathy Kleiner. He broke her jaw, deeply lacerated her shoulder, and finally Karen Chandler, who suffered a concussion, broken jaw, loss of teeth, and a crushed finger. Kathy Kleiner later said the only reason she survived is because Nita Neary was coming home and her headlights lit up the room. Detectives say the attacks happened in less than 15 minutes with an earshot of 30 witnesses and no one heard anything. After leaving the sorority house, Bundy broke into a basement apartment eight blocks away and attacked Cheryl Thomas. He dislocated her shoulder and fractured her jaw and skull in five places. She was left with permanent deafness and equilibrium damage that ended her dance career. On Thomas's bed, police found a semen stain and a pantyhose mask that had two hairs that were similar to Ted's in class and characteristics. So literally, as he just murdered, went on his FSU murder spree, he was not satisfied and killed another girl the same night. We call this berserker mode here. So February 8th. I, 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 I eat out of boredom. This motherfucker just kills. Just murders out of boredom. boredom. But he yeah, did take yeah, a he did like, take oh, a little yeah, break yeah, off. He took a little time off in between these two. So next murder happened February 8th. He drove 150 miles to Jacksonville in a stolen FSU van. He approached 14-year-old Leslie Parmenter? Leslie Parmenter in a parking lot. She was the daughter of Jacksonville Police Chief of Detectives. Bundy identified himself as Richard Burton Fire Department. But he took off when her older brother challenged him on it just a little bit. He then went to Lake City. At Lake City Junior High School the following morning, 12-year-old Kimberly Diane Leach was told to go to her homeroom by a teacher to get her forgotten purse, but when she never returned to class after that. Seven weeks later, her mummified remains were found in a pig farrowing shed near Suwannee River State Park. Seven months? Se- seven weeks. Seven weeks? Yeah, seven weeks. Mm-hmm. So February yeah, twelfth. I, I, I still get baffled how fast like shit decays and like they're finding bones. Yeah, and it's yeah, mummified. That's that's, crazy how, yeah. that's past yeah. decomposition. There. I just figured there'd be hair and all kinds of shit left. Well, I'm sure there was a little bit, but I mean, yeah. you know, maybe it was the early stages of mummification. So February twelfth, Bundy didn't have enough money to pay his overdue rent, so he f- and he felt the police closing in on him. He stole a car and fled Tallahassee. Three days later, around one a.m., he was spotted by Pensacola police officer named David Lee near the Alabama line. After a quote wants and warrants check showed his Volkswagen Beetle stolen. When he told he was under arrest, Bundy kicked Lee's legs out from under him and took off running. Lee fired a warning shot and a second shot, chased Bundy, and tackled him. They fought over Lee's gun for a while, but he finally subdued and arrested Bundy. In the stolen vehicle, there were three sets of IDs belonging to female FSU students, 21 stolen credit cards, and a stolen TV. As Lee drove Bundy to jail, unaware that he had just arrested one of the FBI's most wanted fugitives, he heard Bundy say, I wish you would have killed me. Now, Bundy sucks, and I hate him, but can we talk about how badass it is he kicked his legs out from under him? Right, but is it safe to say that Ted Bundy really did benefit from the ultimate white privilege? Oh, yes, definitely he did. Like, what the fuck? He definitely did. I didn't think it was going to be because he's some white law student. Right, but he's not just a white guy. They don't know he's a law student. They know he's a white guy, and he's wearing, like, white polos. And And he's a handsome dude, for the most part. Yeah, he's like... Exactly. So it just—it's crazy how like the the amount of 
uh, interaction you have with law enforcement. If you're a good-looking dude and you're white, you can get away with most things. Well, that's been established, but a lot of the uh, – uh, let's, let's speak to some of our white listeners. I think the white brothers just don't fucking exist. You should feel horrible. It, it definitely – no, don't feel horrible. It's just no, you should. Acknowledge it. Be aware. Be aware. Exactly. Like, don't feel shitty. Just change the way you fucking look at shit. Like, it's fucking real. And Ted Bundy is a very good example of that. So Bundy stood trial for the Chi Omega homicides and assaults in June 1979. The trial was covered by 250 reporters from five continents and was the first to be televised nationally in the U.S. Bundy had five appointed attorneys but still did most of his own defense. A plea deal was offered to Bundy before the trial where if he pled guilty to the murders of Levy, Bowman, and Leach, he'd only get a 75-year sentence. He refused this because he realized he would have to stand up in front of everyone and say he was guilty, even though he was. But what did Bundy in the worst was a bite mark on Lisa Levy. This was the physical evidence they had after casting Bundy's teeth match to the jury. Wait. After a casting of Bundy's teeth match, the jury deliberated for less than seven hours before convicting him on July 24, 1979. He was convicted of the murders of Bowman and Levy, three counts of attempted first-degree murder for the assault on Kleiner, Chandler, and Thomas, and two counts of burglary. Trial judge Edward Coart imposed death sentences for the murder convictions. Six months later, a second trial was held in Orlando for the abduction and murder of Kimberly Leach. Bundy was found guilty again after less than eight hours of deliberation. During the penalty phase of the trial, Bundy took advantage of an obscure Florida law, which we talked about a little while ago. The law indicated that a marriage declaration in court in the presence of a judge constitutes a legal marriage. So as he was questioning Carol Ann Boone, who had moved to Florida to be closer to him, he asked her to marry him. She accepted, and Bundy declared in court that they were married. So February 10, 1980, Bundy was sentenced for a third time to death by electrocution, and as the sentence was announced, he stood up and shouted, "'Tell the jury they were wrong!' This third death sentence was the one that carried out nine years later. Now, what I don't understand is they didn't put this in the movie, and it's the you know the scene where he has his hand above his head, the picture, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. They didn't right. put that in there, and it fucking pisses me off. I wish they would have. Write a letter, dude. I fucking will. Hey, write this. You need to put this in. And just, like, yeah, just so you know, this was you kind this of... This was important, yeah. and you should have put it in there. Redo the entire movie. I'm not paying for anything. So Bundy died in Rayford Electric Chair at 7.16 a.m. on January 24th, 1989 at 42 years old. And I forgot about this, but in the movie, this guy has a shirt on that says, Burn, Bundy, Burn. And I want that fucking shirt so bad. Yeah, I'm going to find it, and I'm going to fucking buy that shirt. Well, that's what I said about about, uh, John Wayne Gacy. Like, I want to buy some of his art. Yeah, man. It's expensive. I want some Gacy clown art in my fucking home. But that, uh... They're, they're, they're all prints. I mean, I'm not going to find it a, like an original. But no, yeah, you, definitely You not. can buy prints online. I mean, they're, and they're fairly cheap. You can buy anything online. Yeah, but yeah, you can buy t-shirts and hoodies with uh, the with Casey's fucking, uh, what was it? I want to say Bozo, what was it? Pogo. Pogo, yeah, that's right. But yeah, you can, it's, shit like that, I think it's fucking interesting. It's funny more than it is uh, sad, I guess. Well, that's why we do the show, because we make it funny. Yeah, because yeah, we like making fun. So uh, that's the end of Ted Bundy, guys. We were going to do a three-parter, but uh, we decided to do a two-parter because we really wanted it to get this episode right. out. Yeah, it felt right. <laughs> so you can follow the show on Instagram at The Chilling Truth Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at How The Dads Chill. You can follow Meredith at I still don't know your Instagram. Handle. MJBull18. 
There we go. Go follow her. Go follow her. You can't follow Johnny because he has a flip phone, as we established, so he has no social media anymore. Yeah, I can check it. I'll check it like once a week to see, but honestly, you know, I'm not seeing it. Johnny Two Jokes. You can follow him on there. So make sure you guys go on your iTunes podcast app and leave us a review and subscribe to us on there. And you can, uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys probably in a couple weeks. Yeah, I'd say a couple weeks. Or on the what? Or we'll catch you guys on the flippity flip. Later. See ya. Bye.